to One Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. All right, well, if you have your Bible, why don't you grab it with me today and turn to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 16. I like that. I'm hearing some movement to get the Bibles. That's always a good thing. And I told you last week that we were going to start a new series today um, called Come and See, and we're going to talk about how to become an attractive community and um, that God is, is calling us to be. And uh, so we have been preparing for that, and, uh, but this week I actually felt like the Lord changed my plan a little bit. How many of you think it's good to plan? Uh, we, we believe in planning. We think that's like a good thing, a godly thing. But we always want to be open for God to change our plans. And so I was planning on doing that this week. If you are a, um, you know, like person that is disappointed that I'm not sticking to the plan today, I'm sorry. Come back next week. We'll jump into that next week. But I, I do feel like God put something on my heart today and uh, that will actually kind of give direction for where we're going this fall and uh, introduce some things that we're going to be circling back to in the month of October. And so I want to read this scripture out of 2 Chronicles chapter 16. And uh, we're going to go back and skim over the context, but I want to just read this verse to begin with. 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, it says this, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro. Throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Let me just read that one more time. Second Chronicles 16, chapter 9. This is a life-changing thought. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. To him. How many of you would like for God to show himself strong on your behalf? How many of you would like God to have your back? Right? Uh, as we enter into the fall, I believe that God wants to show himself strong on our behalf. I believe God wants to show himself strong on behalf of our, uh, our church as a whole, on behalf of your family, our families. I believe that God wants to show himself strong on, on your behalf in, in every aspect of your life. And, and here we find an amazing scripture, an amazing declaration of God's plan and God's purpose. We'll look at the context. It's actually out of a story of a guy named Asa. And Asa is the king of Judah, and he starts off really good. He starts off seeking God, but at the end of his story, he does not end very well. He starts good, but he doesn't finish well. And so we're going to look at that, but the idea that I believe we can take out of this scripture this morning is this, that God wants you to succeed. God wants you to succeed. Now, some people may hear that and be like, no, God doesn't want me to succeed. God, you know, to be really godly, I need to be like really broke down and, you know, I need to be really like low down and God just wants to like, you know, crush my dreams under his foot so that then I'll really be godly. Anybody ever met somebody like that? Their life is falling apart and they're like, to God be the glory. And God's like, nope, don't blame that one on me. You know what I'm saying? 
Because you can't, when you read the Bible, when you read the story of the Bible, you can't help but recognize that God wants you to succeed. God wants your life to succeed. He wants your family to succeed. If you're married, he wants your marriage to succeed. He wants your finances to succeed. He wants your health to succeed. He wants uh, everything that pertains to you. He wants you to succeed. Do you believe that? You see, that is a part of the good news, the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible says this in Romans chapter 5, verse 17. It says that those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign where? You're not looking. Oh, it's there. It's on the screen. There it is. There it is. Let's look at it. Those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign. Bottom line, middle part, reign in life. That if you receive the grace of God, the righteousness of Jesus, it's not just you go to heaven when you die. It's God wants you to reign in life. How many of you knows, know that reigning, it means that you are succeeding? Reigning means that you are the head and not the tail. It means that you're above and not beneath. It means that you are blessed to be a blessing, that you have enough to have your needs met and to give to other people. And it doesn't just say that those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will go to heaven when they die. It says they will reign in life. I had an extra cup of coffee this morning. I'm sorry. Listen to this, John 15, verse 8. If you don't believe me, according to the Apostle Paul, listen to Jesus' words. John 15, verse 8. By this my Father is glorified that you shrivel up and look very pathetic. No, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. God wants your life not to just sustain. He wants you to be fruitful and not just a little fruit. God wants you to bear much fruit. Do you believe that God wants you to succeed? I hope that you do. But, but here's the thing about success is that success can be deceptive. Success can be deceptive. You see, the, the deception of success can be this, that, that where I'm at, I will always be. I've got my here, myself here. Life is good. What I have, I will always have. Where I'm at, I will always be. And so, the, the, let me say this, though. The converse is also true that failure, failure or being unsuccessful can be deceptive, too. So you can feel if you're successful like, you know, I'm always going to be successful. I'm always going to be in this place of fruitfulness and this place of blessing. And, you know, I have done this. And, and it can result in pride. But the same is true that being in a, a stint or a season where you don't feel like you're being fruitful, when you don't feel like you're reigning in life, where you feel like you've not been successful but you've been a failure, that can also be deceptive. You can begin to feel the same way, that this is, this is where I am and this is where I'll always be. You can feel, if you're in success, I'll always be successful. But you can also feel, if you're in failure, 
I'll always be a failure. This is where I'll always be. And if you're in the place of success, you can begin to uh, allow pride to come in through, through the deception of success. Or if you're in failure, you can allow uh, discouragement to come in through that season of failure. But here's what I want you to know today, that there is a life cycle to success. There's a life cycle to success. You see, where you're at today is not where you've always been. Is that true? Where you're at today is, where, is not where you've always been, and where you're at today is not where you'll always be. Why? Because there is a life cycle to success. And so ultimately, we need to recognize that if we are living for God's purpose, God's plan, and we want to succeed in God's purpose for our lives, we need to understand that it is God who gives success. It's those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness who reign in life. It's God who gives success. The Bible is so clear. It says this in Psalm 75, verse 6. It says, Exaltation comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south, but God is the judge. He puts down one and he exalts another. He puts one, he humbles one, he lowers one, and he lifts another one up. Cue Josh Groban, right? You raise me up, right? First Peter chapter 5, verse 5 says this, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Why? So that he may exalt you in due time. God's plan is not to break you down. God's plan is to lift you up so that you can lift him up. He is an exalter. He's a, a redeemer. He's a restorer. He's one that, you see, the enemy tears down. The enemy breaks people down. The enemy wants to destroy people's lives, and he'll use pride to do it. But God, his kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. In the kingdom of God, the lower you go, the more he lifts you up. That's good news. Your success is not dependent on you. Woo! Man, there's a, that ought to take a weight off your shoulders. Maybe you feel like I'm not where I should be. I'm not where I want to be. I look at somebody else and they're ahead of me or they're further along or they've got it together and they've got all of this and that. Well, let me just tell you, God is the giver of success. God's the giver of success. You may say, well, no, I, I earned my success. I did this myself. I don't need God like Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. Well, let me just warn you today, if that's where you're at, if you feel like, I don't, I don't need God, I, I, I did it my way. The Bible says this, that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. And so God wants you to succeed, but here's the key, don't chase success, chase the giver of success. Jesus said it this way, don't worry about what you'll eat, drink, and wear. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. So 
If you want to be successful, don't follow success. Follow God. Follow the giver of success. But the reality is that that success has a life cycle. There's a life cycle to success, that where you're at does not guarantee that that's where you'll always be. In fact, if we were to kind of graph what success would look like, it would kind of uh, look like a... a, um, a bell curve, a bell curve. We've got a little picture of what success would look like. Uh, I just waved my hand and it just magically appeared. That's incredible. But this is kind of, if you were to look at success, what does success look like? This is kind of what success looks like. You see, many of us, regardless of where we're at, we can probably attest to this, that in the beginning, when you're starting off, whether it's in life or a career or ministry, you're, you're at this place where you're just starting out and you're just hungry to seek the Lord. You, maybe God's put a call in your life. Maybe God's given you a vision and you're hungry to see that come to pass. But you know that you can't do it in your own strength and in your own ability. And, and since you're low and since you're humble, you just go, oh God, if, if this is going to happen, you've got to do it. Who knows what I'm talking about? God, if you're going to use me in this way, I can't do it myself. I I need you. And because you're just starting and because you're in this place of humility and, and desperation, you are quick to seek the Lord. You're quick to obey the Lord. You're quick to, to follow whatever he tells you to do. And so here's what happens is God calls you. God speaks to you. You obey God, and what happens when you obey God? You succeed. You win, right? And so as time goes on, you get into this pattern. You you seek the Lord. You follow God. You obey God, and God makes your plans. The Bible says that he makes the, the plans of the righteous lead to prosperity. So he blesses you as you're seeking him, and he causes your life to go up. Now, that doesn't mean that everything is just easy, that there are no challenges, but this is the direction when we serve the Lord. This is the the direction that our life goes is upward, right? I mean, everything God has for you is up. The the Bible says that that, um, we are to set our minds on things above, right? That we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So everything that God has for you is above, and as you're seeking God, he's going to cause your life to, to elevate. He's going to cause your life to flourish. But here's the problem. Then you get to the place where you have some wins under your belt. You've kind of gotten successful, and you can begin to think, well, I've, I've done pretty good, right? You can begin to think that, that you've accomplished some things, and that's what happened in this passage of Scripture where we find the verse that we opened up with. That's the story of the life of Asa. How many of you have read of Asa before? How many of you have probably read of Asa, but you don't remember Asa? That's You get credit for that too. That was my, my situation. Honestly, this week, I just felt like the Lord dropped this Scripture, that the eyes of the Lord roamed to and fro, and I looked it up, and I found this story of Asa, and, and that's really the trajectory of Asa's life. In fact, I've got a, I just want to scan through these passages of Scripture to show you how 
Asa's life was blessed and how Asa was successful. And the Bible says this in 2 Chronicles chapter 14. If you have your Bible, just look along or you can look at this with me. In, in verse 1, it says that Asa followed his father who had sought the Lord. And then it says in verse 2 that Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. That was the opening lines of Asa's um, rule as a king of Judah, that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He, verse 4, he commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, and to observe the law. So he, he as the king, said, not only am I going to seek God, but as a, as a nation, as a kingdom, I want to command you all to seek the Lord. Why? Because he knew that the, the, the blessing and the success of the nation was, would come from God. And the Bible says this in verse 6, that he had no wars in those years because the Lord had given him rest. So there he is. He's seeing success come. And it goes on to say this in verse 7. It says, we have sought the Lord our God. And we have sought him, and he has given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. And so as they're seeking the Lord, Judah is successful. They are building. They are expanding their territory. There's new projects, new development in the nation. And the Bible says this in verse 11. It says, and Asa cried to the Lord his God. Now, he's not in a bad place. He's in a good place. He, God's given him success, but he's crying out to the Lord. And he said, Lord, verse 11, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many or those who have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on you, and in your name we go against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. And the Bible says in verse 12, So the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Asa and Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. And Asa and the people who were with him pursued them to Gerar. So the Ethiopians were overthrown, and they could not recover, for they were broken before the Lord and his army, and they carried away very much spoil. Are you starting to see the trajectory of Asa's life? Asa starts off, he seeks the Lord, he obeys God, he, he uh, does what God commands him to do, and the Bible says it, that God gave him rest, and they built, and they expanded, and Asa seeks the Lord once again. And the Bible says that the Ethiopians come up against them, but because Asa sought the Lord, God gave Judah victory over the Ethiopians. Not only victory, but they carried away the spoil. They took the possessions that had belonged to the Ethiopians, now came into Judah. It was success up and to the right. And, and so the Bible says this in chapter 15, verse 2. I know this is like Bible study, but that's all right. It's church, so just follow along, okay? Verse 2, it says, The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, you will, uh, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. And so Scripture goes on to say that Asa uh, heeded the word of the Lord in verse 
8, it says, when Asa heard these words, chapter 15, verse 8, when Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Oded the prophet, he took courage and removed the abominable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities which he had taken in the mountains of Ephraim. Listen to this. And he restored the altar of the Lord that was before the vestibule of God. Then he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and those who dwelt with them from Ephraim, Manasseh, Simeon, for they came over to him in great numbers from Israel. In other words, Asa or Judah under Asa is so prosperous and so successful that people from their enemy, uh, their, their enemy kingdoms are now coming over and they're switching teams mid-game. They're just experiencing the blessing of God. He restores the worship. And it says this in verse 11, And they offered to the Lord at that time 700 bulls, 7,000 sheep from the spoil they had brought. Now, we receive an offering every week. Most of it comes in online, but there's a uh, there's the, the hosts take it, they count it, they, they, they process that gift. But can you imagine processing this offering? Can you imagine uh, hundreds of bulls, thousands of sheep coming in? This is the blessing of God as they're seeking after God. Verse 12, it says, Then they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. Again, let me say this, not because they were in problems, but because they were being blessed, because God was, was blessing them, because things were going well. So they say again, God, we're going to enter into a covenant. We're going to make an agreement that we will serve the Lord. Listen to this. And whoever, verse 13, whoever would not seek the Lord, the God of Israel, was to be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman. So they're saying, we're so committed to God, we're so committed to serving God, that if you're not going to serve God, we want to ask you just to stand up right now. Now, I told you tonight we're having a prayer meeting. We're going to have a worship night tonight. We're going to seek the Lord, okay? I encourage all of you to come out and to seek the Lord with us. But how many of you know that when you don't show up for the worship night and it's a death sentence, how many of you know that's serious about seeking God? Now, let me just make sure you're aware of this. God didn't tell them to kill the people that weren't seeking them. They were just a little overzealous, perhaps. But they were saying, God, we're going to seek God, and if you're not seeking God, then be gone, right? I mean, you're out of here. And it says, then they, verse 14, then they, to they took an oath before the Lord with a loud voice, with shouting, with trumpets and ram's horns, and all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with all their soul, and he was found by them, and the Lord gave them rest all around. So Asa restores worship, and God blesses, the, blesses Judah. Verse 18, it says this, And he also brought into the house of God the things that his father had dedicated that he himself had dedicated silver and gold and utensils. So he's taking all of the wealth, all of the, the treasures of the, the kingdom and of his, uh, his um, 
house and he's bringing it into God's house. All of his success, he's bringing it to God. And the Bible says in verse 19, and there was no war until the, the 30, uh, let's see, the 35th year of the king of, uh, the reign of King Uzziah, uh, Asa, I'm sorry, I can't read. There was no war until the 35th year of the reign of Asa. So they are seeking God. God blesses them. They reestablish worship. God gives them victory over their enemies. They take all of their wealth, all of the things that God has blessed them with, and they bring it into God's house. And the Bible says that until the 35th year, there was no wars. Now, if you're a king, one of the marks of success, these, these really are the marks of success. There was prosperity, there was, uh, the, there was financial uh, advancement, they were winning the wars against the, the opposing nations. This was for Judah, this was a social, cultural, spiritual renewal. It was success in every way that success can be measured. It was win, win, when they were in this place of great success but look at what the bible says in second chronicles chapter 16 something happens in this moment something happens between chapter 15 and chapter 16 and it says this in the 36th year of the reign of asa basha the king of israel came up against judah and built rama that he might go against Judah and uh, let's see that he might let none go out or come into King Asa of Judah and it goes on to say then Asa brought silver and gold from the treasuries of the house of the Lord and of the king's house and sent to Ben-Hadad king of Syria who dwelt in Damascus saying let there be a treaty between you and me as there was between my father and your father. See, I have sent you silver and gold. Come and break your treaty with Basha, king of Israel, so that he will withdraw from me. You see, Asa was on a roll. Asa had had success after success after success, but something, and we don't know what, but something in this moment shifted in the heart of Asa. Up until this point, Every time there was a challenge, Asa ran to the Lord. Every time there was an enemy that was opposing him, Asa went to the Lord. Every time there was a decision to be made, Asa sought the Lord. But now Asa had come to this place of success. And rather than going to God as he had done in the past, when he now faces a problem, rather than going to God, he goes to man. In fact, he takes the things that the Bible had said he had just dedicated to God, the utensils, the gold, the wealth, and now he's bringing them to this other king. Asa, who had sought the Lord, who had been successful for 30 Five years, now he's turning away from the Lord. And the Bible says that at that time, Hanani, if you're pregnant, you're looking for a biblical name, there's a name, gender neutral, okay, it works. The seer 
came to Asa, king of Judah, and he said to him, listen to this, because you have relied on the king of Syria and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. He's saying, Asa, when you were serving God, even when you were small, even when you were unsuccessful when you were serving God. God made you prosper. God gave you success. But now that you're successful, now you're no longer seeking God. Now you are seeking man. Now you've become self-reliant. You see, it's in that place of success that danger begins to creep in. God wants us to be successful. God wants to bless our lives, but there is a danger in success. You see, the the danger of success, I, I believe, is this. The first thing is that the higher you go, the greater the challenges you face. The higher you go, the greater the difficulties, the challenges you face. You know, maybe God gave you a dream, a vision for your life, and maybe it was Maybe you were in college at the time, and at that time, maybe it was just, you know, the challenge was just getting out of bed. The challenge was just implementing some structure and some discipline and some focus in your life. But maybe now you have been serving God and you've had some success, and now the challenges that you're facing are bigger than the challenges you had. Maybe now the decisions that you're facing are not as simple or as easy as they were in the past. The higher you go, the greater the challenges. Another danger of success is this, that the higher you go, the more skillful you become. When Asa first began his reign as the king, we don't know exactly how old he was, but Commentators say that he may have been as young as 10 years old, but certainly no older than 20. And he was young. He was just hungry. God, you've got to speak to me. God, you've got to lead me. God, I don't know what to do. But now he's been a king for 35 years. He's not as hungry as he used to be. He's not as desperate as he used to be. He's not seeking God like he used to be. Why? Because he's developed some skill. He knows how to do this king thing. He knows how to lead an army. He knows how to to direct his generals. He knows how to administrate the government. The higher you go, the more skillful you become. And the tendency is that you can begin to depend on your own skill rather than depending on the Lord. The higher you go, the third danger is the higher you go, the more you have to lose. You know, when you start off, maybe God's told you to start a business. Maybe God's told you to step into a career. Maybe God's told you to, to take a step in, uh, in ministry or, or as a family or any number of things. But when you start off, you're just willing to do anything that God tells you to do. You just say, God, I... I'll do it. You just tell me I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. God, I'm desperate for you. But then as time goes on, you've had some success. You've had some wins. And you have more to lose. And the danger is that you can begin to play defense with God rather than obedience to God. 
you can begin to say, well, God, I can't just make that decision. I can't step out in that way. I can't do what you've told me to do because, well, I've got a reputation now. I've got some other people that depend on me now. People are looking to me now. God, I've got some success. I can't just jump out. The higher you go, the more you have to lose. You see, there is a danger in success, and it is this, that when you have, have come into that place, you can forget how you got there. The Bible says this in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 10. This is a warning to Israel as God is bringing them out of Egypt. And it says this, so it shall be. When the Lord God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give you. Listen to this. What is God, what's God giving to Israel? This is a picture of the, the salvation, the blessing, the favor that we have in Jesus. He says, when I bring you out to give you large and beautiful cities, which you didn't build, it's grace. Houses full of good things which you didn't fill. Hewn out wells which you didn't dig. You're getting the refreshment not because you earned it, but because I've blessed you with it. Vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. He's saying this is all grace. You see, the life of a... Jesus follower, God wants to bless us. God wants to put his favor on our lives. But we have to understand that grace is not what just gets us into serving Jesus. It's grace that starts us on the journey, and it's grace that keeps us on the journey. It's the grace of God. He says this, verse 12, then beware. When you have eaten and are full, then beware lest you forget. If you have your Bible, underline that phrase, beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. He says this, I'm going to bring you out. I'm going to bless you. Not because you're so good or you're so awesome or you've worked so hard. I'm going to bless you because I'm so good. And I'm going to show you how good I am by blessing your socks off. But when I do it, don't forget how it happened. Don't forget. Don't say, we did this. Our strength, our hand, our wisdom did this for us. The danger of success is that we can begin to depend on our own strength and our own wisdom rather than seeking the Lord. We can begin to seek success rather than the one who gives success. And here we find this right in the middle of this, what is really a sad story of Asa who starts so well but finishes so poorly. We find this warning which is also an invitation for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. 
You see, this was a warning to Asa. This was a rebuke to Asa. But I want you to also understand, this is not just a rebuke. This is an opportunity. This is actually good news right here in 2 Chronicles chapter 16. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking those whose heart is loyal to him, on whose behalf he can show himself strong. I want to give you out of this passage today three things that I believe are good news for every single one of us as God is calling us, as we are trying to pursue God. The first thing I want you to see is this, that God searches. God searches. Look at what it says. The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro. God is looking, it says, throughout the whole earth, he's looking for people. The first thing I want you to see is that God searches. He is looking for people that he can bless. He's looking for people, the Bible says, on whose behalf he can show himself strong. I want you to know this today. Maybe you feel like you're not successful. Maybe you feel like you've been on a string of failures and you feel like this is where you'll always be. Let me tell you some good news that God is searching. The school of success has open enrollment. God's looking for people. Number one, God searches. Number two, God sees. As he's searching, it's not that he's just searching because he can't find. He's searching because he is seeing those whose hearts are loyal to him. You may feel like you're in a place where no one sees. Let me, let me tell you this, God sees. You may feel like God's put you in a place that you feel forgotten. You feel like you've just been overlooked. Let me tell you, you've not been overlooked. God is searching and God sees your, your, your obedience. God sees your faithfulness. He sees what you do. And before success ever comes, there's faithful obedience. The road to success is paved with faithful obedience. Long before David was ever killing giants, long before he was ever the king of Israel, David was faithful in serving his father. He was faithful in tending the sheep. He was Faithful in bringing the bread and the supplies to his brothers. And you may feel like you are on a downward slide. You may feel like God's plan and God's purpose apparently does not apply to you. But God sees. In fact, the Bible says that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Do you believe that? God's a rewarder. If you believe it, then that will energize your obedience. How many of you know, if you believe that God's a rewarder, that will energize your prayers? If you, let me, let me tell you how to put a little monitor on your prayer life. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Lord, you know the troubles I'm going through, Jesus. And God, thank you that you've seen your humble servant here. That's like a depressing prayer, Right? I hadn't practiced that. That was just impromptu. But have you ever listened to somebody and it's like, please stop praying. You're depressing me. 
Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't be honest before the Lord, but when you understand who God is, when you understand the promises of God, you won't pray that kind of impotent, weak, depressing prayer. You will take hold of God's plan. There will be fervency in your prayers. Why? Because success isn't coming from man. It's coming from the Lord. And so you will begin to pray God's plan into your life. Believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Not seek success. Those who seek him. So God searches. Number two, God sees. And number three, as the worship team comes back up, number three, not only is God searching today, not only is God seeing today, wherever you're at, you may feel like you're forgotten. You may feel like you're unknown, but God sees you. And number three, God strengthens. God strengthens. The scripture says that he's the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the whole earth. Throughout the whole earth. You don't have to go to New York for God to see you. You don't have to go to London for God to see you. God is looking wherever there's people who are faithful and obedient. His school of success is open and he's seeing you. But the third is that God strengthens He's looking to show himself strong on your behalf. He's looking to impart into your life his strength, his blessing. You see, your success is not dependent on your own ability. Your success is not dependent on your own effort. Of course, we're called to be faithful. We're called to be diligent. But Paul understood this, the secret of the gospel is not that God helps those who help themselves. The secret of the gospel is this, that God helps those that can't help themselves. That God gives strength to those who are weak. That God raises up the lowly. The Bible says that he causes them to reign in life not by your power not by your ability but by his power and his ability his strength therefore Paul said this I will boast in my weakness I'll boast in my inability I'm not just going to boast in what I've got going on I'm going to boast in my weakness because my weakness causes me to run to Jesus because when I am weak then I am strong. Why? Because we serve a God who strengthens the weak. We serve a God that lifts up the lowly. It's the good news of the gospel that when we could not help ourselves, he stepped down. When we didn't have the strength in our own power, the Bible says this, that at that moment, Christ died for us. The good news of the gospel is that he became weak so that you could become strong because in your own strength you could never do what was required of you. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, chapter 9, it says he became poor 
so that you through his poverty might become rich. rich. He humbled himself so that you could, as you seek him, you could be exalted. Not to make a name for yourself, but to make his name great. To show his name great in all the earth. God's looking for people today. God's looking around this room today. God's looking in your home today. God's looking across our city today. And he's saying, I'm looking for a man. I'm looking for a woman whose heart is loyal to me. Not seeking after success, but seeking after me. Mark that man. Mark that woman. They're destined for success. I want to ask you if you would to stand up today.